What a fun season it's been, full of so many unforgettable moments. The flag planting in Columbus, the gutsy win in the Cotton Bowl, an insane bedlam shootout, an unfortunate crotch grabbing, a Big 12 championship, an impending Heisman Trophy, and of course a shot at the national championship, starting with a showdown with Georgia and the granddaddy of them all. It's just too bad we have to wait four weeks for the party to restart. Paging the powers at BU who control college football, the FCS is playing in their Elite Eight this upcoming weekend. That sounds pretty fun. Can't imagine anyone would be interested in that, though. No way. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. And no uh, no intro music today, everybody. The Sooners do not have a game this weekend, unfortunately. And one of OU's best players has been accused of a heinous crime. Yeah, Grant, that's right. Uh, hey, everyone. Welcome into West of Everest. I'm Lee Benson. And yes, we've got some dicey stuff to talk about here at the top of the show. A Norman woman has accused Rodney Anderson of rape, and Anderson has come out publicly defending himself. So here's the timeline of events. Monday evening, the news broke that a VPO, a victim protective order, had been filed by a woman against Rodney Anderson. Now, I was going to read what the woman wrote in the VPO. There's a lot of graphic sexual things in the VPO. But instead, what I'm going to do is, since I work at a news station, I work at News 9, KWTV in Oklahoma City, and we've got some awesome reporters that have been able to follow this story and do some uh, some outside of sports reporting that, honestly, I'm not capable of doing for the most part, and they are awesome at it. So I'm going to look through a an article by two of our reporters, Dana Hurtnicki and Steve Shaw, and they both reported on this Tuesday. And so here's what their reporting said Norman police say they interviewed OU running back Rodney Anderson Tuesday as he is cooperating with investigators so Anderson is cooperating with investigators as far as Tuesday again a Norman woman is accusing Anderson of rape an an allegation that Anderson's attorney says is patently false now Anderson didn't learn of the VPO filed against him until late Monday evening according to his attorney He said Anderson is, quote, shocked and disturbed by the claims. The woman filed a police report Monday afternoon alleging rape by instrumentation. Now, this is a quote from Sarah Jensen from the Norman Police Department. Jensen says, quote, the woman told investigators when she spoke to them that several weeks ago she accepted a ride from a male acquaintance following a night of drinking. Following that ride, some consensual kissing had occurred and she remembered waking up naked. That's where our investigation is taking hold. Now, back to the report from Dana and Steve. In the VPO, the woman says this past weekend, she started to remember Anderson assaulting her and she was trying to get away from him. Now, Anderson's attorney says Anderson, quote, did not, nor would he ever force himself on any woman. He continues, The woman attempted to pursue a relationship with Anderson, and the claim surfaced only after he did not reciprocate a desire to pursue a relationship. Tuesday afternoon, Rodney Anderson tweeted, quote, in my wildest dreams, I never thought I'd have to set up a Twitter account to defend myself in the most possible, straightforward and honest manner. I did not do this. And that was interesting. 
and uh, this is this is me now back. Uh, the, the report's over, so this is Grant and I back now. I, I thought it was interesting, Grant, and this is kind of a. I mean, obviously, this is a this is a a story that's not good. It, it doesn't sound good at all um, from from all sides. But uh, it, it is worth noting that Rodney Anderson did not have a Twitter account, and he felt the need to create a Twitter account to defend himself, like he said in the tweet. And at first, when I saw that tweet by him on Tuesday afternoon, I thought, ah, you know, I'm I'm. I'm skeptical whether or not this is this is actually him. And then uh, a few minutes later, I realized that he had screenshotted that tweet on his Instagram account, which his Instagram account has been active for a while. and He's got almost 12,000 followers on Instagram. So that indicated to me that the tweet was real. So Rodney Anderson is coming out defending himself based on this accusation. And at this point, on the football field, Oklahoma is aware of his is aware of this. They are investigating. The Norman Police Department is investigating. And as far as we know, Rodney Anderson is not suspended. He's still with the team. And this is an ongoing story. So that's basically where we are. Of course, we record this podcast on Wednesdays. So if anything, if any new news drops, let's say Thursday morning, uh, we will be behind. But as far as uh, as of Wednesday night, when we are recording this, that's the latest information we have in this Rodney Anderson situation. So we felt like we needed to jump on top of that um, to start the show because that is obviously the big news of the week and could potentially affect, obviously, Oklahoma on the football field, but uh, way more implications outside of football if, uh, if, if this goes anywhere and, and you know more evidence comes out. But the main thing is that Grant and I are not lawyers. There's, there's evidence out right now. I gave you the evidence that we know of now. That's all we know. And since we don't know any more than what the evidence has shown in the story, I think there's not really much else we can say about the story. What do you think, Grant? Yeah, I mean, I think it's best right now that we just kind of don't say anything. Um, I think all of us are going to have opinions and, and thoughts upon reading everything. And and I think, you know, at this point in time, we we can only develop our thoughts um, and any, I mean, we, we can't develop any sort of conclusions because we just don't have the full story yet, uh, which is why I think we just need to just wait, uh, for more news to come out. And it does sound like they're investigating it. And, um, I think it was reported earlier today, um, so Wednesday evening that I think the Norman police department expects that it'll be wrapped up by next week sometime. I think it was Carrie Murdoch who reported that earlier today. So, um, just, I, I think at this time, just don't jump to any conclusions, just kind of let the news come out. As it, as it may, um, once we get closer to game time, we'll, we'll talk about possible implications or, or any more news that comes out. With that, let's shift over to actual football talk. And some other news has come out this week, and it's more it's it, it's award season. Let's be frank with it. And the big award coming up, the Heisman Trophy this Saturday night. I will not be going to New York City, sadly. I was not part of the News 9 team going to New York City. Nope, it's going to be Dean Blevins and Brian Mueller. Brian will be there behind the scenes with Dean. So, unfortunately, I will be back in Oklahoma City instead of hanging out with Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson and Bryce Bryce Love, excuse me, and, of course, Billy Sims at uh, the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I'm hoping that I get a chance to go to one uh, to the Rose Bowl or, fingers crossed, potentially a national championship game, but that's a whole other story. So of course, Grant, that's coming up. Uh, from 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 what I remember, uh, I, again, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I I haven't 
paid this much attention to college football this closely uh, as far as nationally in my entire life. The past two years before this, I was mainly focused on the SEC. I was covering Texas A&M. And um, anyways, the reason I bring that up is I don't remember the last time the Heisman Trophy, as far as the winner, was this obvious for so many so many weeks. I mean, can, can you enlighten me? Has, has there been a more recent time where it was, it was an obvious Heisman Trophy winner? Um, you know, it, as opposed to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we'll go all the way back in the depths of last season, Lee. Lamar Jackson won it. Actually, it was kind of like the the Saquon Barkley treatment. Everyone said that, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson was the September winner. He won it in September, and then he actually did win it in real life. It was actually, yeah. it, it was, there was much less drama involved last year, it seems like. Um, I think. Oh, see, there you go. See, and, I wasn't even paying attention. Like, And I had seen Lamar Jackson play the year before, in the Music City Bowl when Louisville beat Texas A&M. And I remember thinking, hey, he's, he's a nice quarterback. I didn't think he was like some sort of amazing, like best quarterback in the country quarterback. But, you know, an offseason of improvement sure <laughs> sure helped him. Yeah, and I, I think I think just from the OU perspective, it, it seemed like the Heisman was, was a bit bigger of a deal last year than it actually was because the Sooners had two finalists. Um, so I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but it, it, it's been a while, I feel like, since we've had like a real, honest, good Heisman race. Um, I mean, just off the top of my head, I can't even really think. The last one I can think of was when Mark Ingram won it, when I feel like there was actually kind of a race for the Heisman. Since then, it kind of feels like it's been just a, a coronation, at least for the last six or seven years. And that was the same season where it was Toby Gerhart, right? It was Ingram and Gerhart. And, and Dominic and Heisman. Sue. And Sue yeah. also. Yeah. It was that long ago. Wow. I remember thinking Gerhardt should have won. Gerhardt had better numbers than Mark Ingram that year. And and I, I feel like they just gave it to him because he was in the SEC. And they just thought, ah, he plays a lot better teams. Let's give it to Mark Ingram. Well, that was a national championship Alabama team. I think that was that was a pretty classic case of give it to the the best player on the best team. Uh, yeah, Mark Ingram has got to rank up there with one of the worst Heisman winners ever. Ironically, now he's a, he's, he's, honestly, he's a really good NFL player now, ironically. He is. I mean, he's pretty good. He's had a pretty nice career. It, weirdly, his uh, his rookie teammate Alvin Kamara is better than he is. But um, I mean, granted, he's younger. But uh, that's all. There's no need to get into that. So yeah. So Heisman's coming up. Baker Mayfield's going to win it. The only question is how how many votes will he win it by? I mean, this should be an absolute landslide. I mean, I just don't know if if you're a college football uh, reporter voter for the Heisman and you're basing it off of just play on the field which i mean really that's what you should base it off of i mean that i don't know how you don't vote for baker mayfield all all for your, your you know first ballot i mean it's just he's been the best player on the field by far all season long it's not even close i mean i yeah i'd hope so he's had back-to-back seasons now where he's had the best passing season for you know a quarterback in the history of college football he's done that in back-to-back seasons um so i he's he's hands down the best player in the country i know there's there, there were some kind of think pieces and, and people, you know, trying to push out uh, columns last week where, I, I, you know, they just wanted clicks. I, that you know, there's a guy who was arguing. I think from the Sporting News who was arguing for Saquon Barkley. Um, sure, I mean, I, he just wanted. Clicks. Yeah, I was that offended was so much by that headline that I even had to had to retweet it with a with a reply, basically in a very polite way, calling him an idiot. Yeah, I mean, but fi- he was just trying to get clicks. That's, I know that's you're fine. right. Yeah. He got um, what he wanted. No, I, I mean this is yeah, th- this thing is over. So uh, Baker Mayfield is going to be the uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, and 
I, it's it's great. It's fun. I, it's it's well deserved. I, I, I the homer in me thinks that you know he maybe should be winning it for the third straight time, but that's just me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's he's been the best quarterback in college football. I mean, I, I can't really speak to him much from 2015 because I didn't watch OU as much in 2015, but I watched him play a lot last year. And he was the best quarterback in college football last year as well. And he's by far the best quarterback in college football this season as well. But you know what, Grant? He's not going to be the Borlesworth Trophy Award winner for the third year in a row. Nope, that was Luke Falk. Goes to the best walk-on. I mean, kind of whatever. I mean, it's an award. Like Mayfield had won it the past two years. So, And I think Falk even kind of jokes saying, "Thanks, thank you, Baker Mayfield, for letting me win this year. Um, so, I mean, not that that's going to add a whole a whole bunch of chips to Baker Mayfield's shoulder, but um, he it's going to be weird when he doesn't win the award for best walk-on, but he wins the Heisman Trophy. That's Well, whatever. I mean, I mean that was obviously just, you know, them throwing a bone to Luke Falk. I mean, he said he's coming second the last 2 years, so I mean, yeah. I don't I I think we're I think there were there people on social media actually making a fuss about this or did did people actually care about this, do you know? Or? No, I mean, it's just it's just worth it's worth mentioning for sure. a second, and again, I'm pretty sure Falk kind of made fun of it because he knows that obviously Baker Mayfield's better than he is, and so he he finally got it. So, anyways, um, you know, again, it's an award week. Uh, this one to me was uh, again. I feel like I should preface this. I think awards are mostly stupid. I don't really care. I mean, Baker Mayfield's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Great, good for him. I'd rather Oklahoma hoist the national championship trophy, and I know Baker Mayfield would rather have that too. I mean, he's he's, he's gonna he's gonna gladly accept the Heisman, of course, but he he wants that natty even more. And individual trophies and awards don't matter to me. I don't really give a crap. But at the same time, Bill Bedenboe doesn't win the Burrell's Award for top assistant coach, which is fine. I mean, there's a lot of good assistant coaches out there, but I thought it was weird that it goes to Clemson's co-offensive coordinator slash running backs coach Tony Elliott because Clemson's offense this year is is fine I mean it's not like some sort of elite offense and their running backs are just like okay I mean they're they're okay I mean Oklahoma's got better running backs than Clemson um you don't see Jay Bolwer up for the 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 Burrells award so I mean I just think it's weird that uh that that's who wins this award I mean there is other other people up for it like I mean Kevin Steele defensive coordinator i think for alabama was up for it um troy walters uh, i mean troy walters the central florida offensive coordinator central florida's offense has been fantastic this season well and i mean i there's got to be there's got to be more politicking that goes into these awards i i i can't imagine they they comb through stats and look at a ton of film and stuff like that I, i'm sure there's like community aspects to it and how well you work with the kids and whatnot and i i think lincoln riley won this his first year when he was at ou mm-hmm um so i mean it, it's it's nice I, I think it's one of those things where it's it's just nice to be nominated for it and um i i, I mean I, it would have been nice if beaten bow would have won um i'm looking at these finalists i think i think jim leonard from wisconsin the wisconsin defense coordinator should have won um yeah i think either leonard or troy walters from central florida should yeah. have won because central florida's offense has been phenomenal i mean it's it's up there with oklahoma states and and oklahoma's this year uh granted they don't play you know in in, in a power five conference but i mean the few games i've watched i mean mckenzie milton he's a he's a pretty darn good quarterback and, and that's a dynamic offense so i mean yeah I, i'm with you though jim leonard did a lot of good things with wisconsin this season let's not forget uh also lee about another award uh mark andrews won the Mackey award today 
for the top tight end in the country, the very first OU player to ever win the Mackey Award. So, you sure did, and uh, I mean, we've been saying it for well all year long. He's the best tight end in college football. We all knew that. Now it's official. Real quick before we talk more about Andrews, I said Kevin Steele was the Alabama defensive coordinator. He's the Auburn defensive coordinator. I believe he used to be the Alabama defensive coordinator at some point, or maybe he was the LSU defensive coordinator. I don't know. He's been in the SEC for a while. So I got him. He's the Auburn DC. Anyways, you back are, to Mark uh, Andrews. Yeah, you you are confusing him with Jeremy Pruitt, who is the the um, the ex Alabama defense coordinator. He is now reportedly the head coach at Tennessee. So that's that's interesting. Did that break tonight on yeah, Wednesday. That, that broke tonight. Maybe when you were when, when you were recording your show tonight. Wow, I didn't see that. Well, I guess not really recording your show. I guess you you do it live. It's the news. We do it live. Yes, we do indeed. I was uh, on the 10 o'clock news. Yes. Um, okay. Kevin Steele was at LSU, and he also was at Alabama for it. Okay. Back to Mark Andrews. I mean, the guy's really good. I mean, he's going uh, to be one of the top you know, first tight ends drafted whenever he decides to come out. It, it'll probably be this year. I, I assume he'll probably declare. I mean, Baker Mayfield's going to be gone. He's been there for a few years now. He's, he's a redshirt junior, so he's got an extra year left, but... You know, his stock is pretty high, and I expect, I mean, I would just, off the top of my head, I'm guessing Mark Andrews will probably will probably leave. Um, and, I mean, he's had a great career at Oklahoma, and thinking about all the amazing tight ends that Oklahoma has had, I mean, Trent Smith and, and Jermaine Gresham never won this award, and Mark Andrews did. I mean, that's, and I, and I know there's there's more tight ends, too, going back. Keith Jackson is, as well for Oklahoma and Oklahoma lore, but uh I mean that's impressive. That's impressive, and and the other tight ends of up for the award were okay. I mean Mike Gusecki at Penn State's all right, and uh, I, what's the Wisconsin's guy's name? Fumagalli. Fumagalli. I mean he's all right too. I mean, but Mark Andrews is is better than both of them, and it's it's not it's not that close in my opinion. Yeah, even though I mean there's there's debate about whether or not Mark Andrews is your traditional tight end. I think I saw a stat on Twitter today. That said, he actually only lined up as a tight end 11, uh, 11% of his offensive snaps this year. Whatever, I mean, he's he's a glorified tight end. Um, and you said, yeah, I, I, he's gone. Um, you know, th- this offense has gotten three productive, valuable years out of him, and I think that's that's pretty much all you can ask from him. I think he's had he's had a really good career, and and I think it just makes sense at this point in time for him to move on after this year. I, his his uh, his stock is never going to be higher than it is now. So that's all the bowl stuff, bowl stuff. That's all the award stuff. Um, and real quick, back to back to the Burrell's Award. And part of the reason why I wanted to bring that up is, although it's, yeah, it would have been great to see Bill Biedenboe win that award. I think this ultimately will be another positive thing for Oklahoma's offense because just like the offensive line not being nominated for the Moore Award for the best offensive line, I mean, and Oklahoma's offensive line is the best in the nation. I mean, that that bothered them. Now their offensive line coach is nominated for the award, but he doesn't win it. And, in fact, it's a Clemson offensive guy that wins the award. I think that'll just add more to the offensive line at Oklahoma thing, and we got we to gotta prove everybody that we are the best, our coach is the best. And um, I just – it it can only help Oklahoma moving forward and giving them even more motivation. Not that they need any more, but it certainly always helps to have – you know, some more chips. I suppose we'll. I, I suppose we'll take whatever we can get, but I. But I think you're grasping at straws here. If I'm being 100 percent honest, I mean, this team is 
has fed off this all season long. Yeah, you may so, you may be right, but I, in in this particular instance, I'm not sure if the offense is going to take it personally that that Bill Biedenboe didn't the win the Broyles Award. Yeah, the I mean maybe. Line. I mean yeah, those guys maybe, are tight yeah. group. Maybe, yeah. I, I, I doubt it. I, I doubt this is going to be the thing that's going to push him over the top. But, you know, I, if, cool. If, if they, you know, I, 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 I guess I, I, could, I could throw out that cliche there. He said, oh, if you got to use material to get jacked up for a game like this, then you shouldn't be out there. Uh, you know, whatever. These guys are going to be excited to play no matter what. I think they're, there's, there's already plenty of people doubting, you know, doubting them in the situation i don't they don't need they don't need bill biedenboe getting getting ripped off for the broils <laughs> award to, to really get them motivated for the rose bowl yeah well i mean they're already motivated for not being a finalist for that other award too plus they want to win a natty grant since our last podcast have you gathered any more thoughts on the rose bowl because i'll be honest with you i haven't thought a whole lot about it in depth yet just because it's so far away I haven't had a chance to look at a whole lot of Georgia film. I mean, I've watched a lot of Georgia tape all season long just just because I've been wanting to you know, keep up to date with college football and, and have a, a legitimate top 10. So, I mean, I've seen Georgia play a lot, but I haven't since we found out that Georgia and Oklahoma were playing. I have not yet fired up the DVR, fired up the Internet, fired up YouTube and, and really looked at it in depth. So I, I don't have a whole lot of new thoughts on the game with the exception of one. But before I get to that, I'll, I'll throw it to you if, in case you have any new new thoughts or developments when it comes to the Rose Bowl. I've thought about it incessantly, actually, Lee. I find that kind of funny that you haven't thought about it too much. Um, yeah, I thought about it a lot. Um, just uh, I, I've watched a little bit of Georgia. I, I went back and I, I, I rewatched uh, the SEC championship game just to kind of I, I was curious mostly about just what their defense looked like. Um, first watch, I came, I, I came away thinking that I, th- I think the Sooners may have um, uh, some success running the ball. Um, it, just kind of my, my first thought process uh, around it. And also, I, I think there are going to be some opportunities for, um, for some mismatches uh, on the edge against them, uh, particularly some of their outside linebackers. I, I think they, could, they can have a lot of success against. So I'll go more into it. Um, I certainly am concerned um, on the defensive side of the ball uh, with Oklahoma's defense. Um, I, I, I do think Georgia's probably going to have a lot of success running the ball in this game. But, you know, we're, we're still three and a half weeks out, so we'll get there. But I, I'm sure I will go back and forth numerous times, you know, until we actually get to kickoff. Um, at this point, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm going to the game. I'm going to be there. So I, I'm just uh, excited to take in that atmosphere. And it, it honestly can't get here soon enough. Hold on, hold on a second. Wait, so you, you are f- officially going. You have tickets and everything. You're going to the game. Yeah. You already got tickets. Well, I don't have tickets yet, but I've been monitoring them closely, and I'm just waiting to pounce to buy. Well, I've been seeing a lot of the tweets and their press releases from Oklahoma saying the Rose Bowl is a hard print ticket bowl game, so don't get scammed. Yeah, uh, everything I'm. Everything I'm looking at says that they're everything is shipped via the UPS or whatever. So I'm I'm monitoring the situation. The, the ticket prices are actually not that outrageous. It's your it's it's pretty similar to what you would uh, what you would pay for for a typical OU Texas game. Not like a not like a, a one versus two OU Texas game. I, that would that'll cost you a little more. But but I, I've seen plenty of regional tickets like in the in the two fifty range. And, and I think you know for a Rose Bowl between the number two and number three teams in the country in a playoff game, that's that that's pretty reasonable. 
Yeah, it's not bad at all. So what I've thought of a bit, and I listened to all of Lincoln Riley's press conference from Sunday after he found out that Oklahoma was going to play Georgia in the Rose Bowl. And a lot of the talk in the last 10 minutes of it was about Baker Mayfield. And sometimes sometimes I get tired of hearing about Baker Mayfield because a lot of the questions seem like they've been asked before. But the first part of it, there's some interesting stuff. And the biggest takeaway for me, aside from I still think it's fascinating that Georgia for a day came out and met with OU offensively and they talked and that was I thought that was interesting because it just what a coincidence other than that Lincoln Riley being asked about the long layoff before the bowl game and him basically saying that he doesn't like it I mean he, he'd rather play sooner and he, he he said you know we're the only sport that does it this way and he'd rather it be different so I like the fact that he acknowledges that and he says that because I'm with him. I think it's dumb. I think it it affects, especially a team like Oklahoma that's so efficient offensively, you kind of get out of rhythm. But the fact that he acknowledges it and he knows about it and he doesn't like it makes me think that he will go out of his way to think of or to find out unique ways to prepare his team for this game during this long layoff to where maybe it will not be as uh, – it will not negatively affect them as much as opposed to, and here's, here's what I mean him saying, ah, no, yeah, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's just another game. We'll, uh, you know, we'll prepare the same way we always do. You know, given the, the coach speak, the basic coach speak, I like that he's honest and he explains and says that he doesn't like it. So that tells me that he will find ways to eliminate the risk of this long layoff really affecting Oklahoma's offense negatively what do you think about that to all our west of everest listeners everyone here you are you are witnessing or not witnessing you are hearing lee benson in full-on homer mode right now he's grasping at straws he's looking for whatever he can this is great i haven't i haven't seen lee benson like this in a while Uh, he's he is unbelievable this is uh, how dare you just so the listeners know this lee is fired up for this football team he's looking for anything to talk himself into He, he is this is great. We we've reached a really exciting time, everybody. I hope you guys understand what this means. You I you won't obviously. But. I can't explain how way off base you are based on this. I mean, no. I mean, one, this is me. I haven't watched a whole lot of film, and I'm just kind of pulling stuff off the top of my head that I've noticed. Because normally on this show, I've got a ton of notes. I've got a lot of film study behind me, and I know what I'm talking about. I don't have that yet. So I think you guys should get off my back. All right, that's fine. I, I, that's I guess I'll get some I'll, good takes. I'll get more. On, I'll get more on topic. Uh, but one of the things that this this four week break kind of provides you is it does give you a lot of time to prepare. And I'm I'm a firm believer, especially at this time of the year, um, with these two teams especially. This game is going to be won um, in the film room. I think I, I firmly believe that. I think in terms of physicality, in terms of NFL bodies, I think. For both teams, this game's pretty much a wash. It's it's going to come down to who is most prepared um, and who is mentally ready to play this game. Um, and so, I I find that part uh, just fascinating, and I'm I'm really excited to see how it all plays out. All right. Well, I want to reiterate, and I can't I can't remember if I brought this up the last time, our last podcast. I you know again, initial reaction, initial thoughts after watching every single Oklahoma game this season and very in-depth and watching a lot of Georgia, not every game, 
but a lot of Georgia. I mean, we're talking, I've, I've watched six, seven, eight games of Georgia. I mean, probably more than the average college football fan. It, all things being equal, Oklahoma should be able to win this game rather convincingly just because of the offense. And the fact that they, they should be able to score on Georgia. I mean, they should have, I mean, Georgia's defense and TCU's defense, I think Georgia's defense is better, but not by much. And Oklahoma's faced TCU's defense twice, and I think Texas has got a good defense, and uh, Ohio State's got a good defense, and Oklahoma you know, was able, you know, slowed in the first half, but moved the ball very well in the second half. So that's my initial thought. You know, when I watch more film in depth, will I change my mind? Maybe. I might. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm missing something on Georgia, and maybe I'm missing something on OU. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to having all this time. I'm not looking forward to all the time between the game, but I do like the fact that we'll be extremely prepared. And I feel like you and I, because we'll watch so much film, we'll probably be pretty used to these two teams and we'll kind of know what to expect come game day, which will be kind of interesting to watch it from that perspective. Yeah, for sure. And I would push back a little bit on you. I'm, I'm nowhere near as confident as you are in that. Um, I I think you're you're really discounting Georgia's offense. It, Georgia's offense is is, is really is really going to give OU's defense a lot of problems. Um, I I just I'm I, I'm not concerned about any of their wide receivers. I I'm concerned about the Wildcat. I'm concerned about them running the football a lot. I Cer- from you know what from is from's pretty good. Yeah, he's. Uh, he, I told you Fromm was pretty good three or four weeks ago, and he didn't believe me. Yeah, he's good, and you know, I and obviously in a situation like this, I I I don't think it's it's dumb to be skeptical of of a true freshman in on a stage like this in a big game like this. I, I think you know, I I think almost certainly, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you you have to go into this game thinking that Jake we're going to make Jake Fromm beat us, and you know, in that situation, if he does, and you just kind of tip your cap. Um, no, I, I mean, mean I'm. I, there's a lot of different th- quarterbacks have beaten Oklahoma this year. Yeah, so, there, there, I mean, Jake Fromm certainly can. There's a lot about Georgia that concerns me. They they got some players. They got some players, but you know what really makes me happy? I think Oklahoma's got by far, at least at least on the offensive side of the ball. Let's, let's put it this way: head coach, head coach. I think Lincoln Riley's a better coach than Kirby Smart. I know Kirby Smart's in his second year at Georgia. And he's a little older, and he's got a lot more college experience. I think Lincoln Riley's better. I, I I trust Lincoln Riley's ability to game prep and in game adjust with his side of the ball. And Kirby Smart's a defensive guy, so you know that's Georgia's strength is defense. So I mean, when it comes to Kirby Smart versus Lincoln Riley, offense versus defense, I like I like Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley has been able to show that he's so creative and he's able to figure things out against pretty good defenses the last couple of seasons, which has helped Oklahoma. And of course, Baker Mayfield is, is also is easy. It makes it easier for Lincoln Riley to, to do his job. But if you're going to do that matchup, I like that matchup of coaches, which that's huge in college football and football in general. I mean, the coaching matchup is always big. I, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I, 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 if we're talking about game planning on offense and offensive play calling, yeah, I mean, I'll 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 take Lincoln pretty much over anyone in the country. Um, but hey, you know, it. The best thing is we're going to see this on the field. We'll, we'll see how it all transpires. There's going to be a really interesting chess match going on between those two um, on New Year's Day, and 
I'm excited to to dive you know further into it. I think Georgia is going to be an interesting team to look at. So let's discuss the schedule for the rest of the month. Now that we have all these weeks and no football games, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have one show a week for the next two weeks. Each episode will be very similar to what we've been giving you. We'll just give you the latest news and our and our thoughts, and we'll we'll think of other bits and, and things to fill the time. This is also an important detail. Instead of Thursday episodes the next two weeks, we will be releasing Wednesday episodes. So the next episode of West of Everest will be next Wednesday, December the 13th. Then the next episode after that will be Wednesday, December the 20th. Then following the two weeks, we will go back to our normal two shows a week schedule beginning on Christmas Day. Yep. We are not taking Christmas off. We will have a show on Christmas Day. That's a Monday. The plan will be, by that point, we'll have tons of Georgia knowledge, tons of OU knowledge, of course, and we'll have a, a huge breakdown. It'll be very similar. Grant and I, you and I discussed this. It'll be very similar to when Oklahoma played Ohio State early on this season where we broke down Ohio State from pretty much every single angle and how they matched up against Oklahoma and how Oklahoma matched up against Ohio State. So is that still what you're envisioning, Grant? Yeah, yeah. I think by the time we get into that that week leading up to the Rose Bowl, it's going to be a, a really big dive into into Georgia and, and how we how we envision the game playing out. Um, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint. Well, we are looking forward to it. So again, next two weeks, just one show. I know, it's tough. It'll be in the middle of the week. It'll be great episodes. I'm not going to leave you hanging, but since we don't have a whole lot to talk about, not a whole lot of games, we're going to take one show a week off. But again, beginning on Christmas Day, we'll be back. Regular shows, Monday and Thursday. It'll be great. Huge breakdown. So until then, until next Wednesday, December the 13th, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.